0: My fuck. No. What is all this shit? <laughs> the stabilizing? <eye>. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. The fuck, the fuck, the fuck is in the air. The fuck, there's white shit everywhere. The fuck, I must be fucking baked and this shit's probably fake. The fucking hell did I just take the fuck? Welcome to Orsini's Uncensored Mind, and now your host, AJ Orsini. Hello, everyone out there. My name is AJ Orsini, and I am your host of Orsini's Uncensored Mind. We are here with episode 12, and it is the Xmas edition, I guess you could say. Christmas has come and gone. Uh, I am filming this literally uh, on Wednesday, the 27th. Two days ago was Christmas Day, we're a mere few days away from New Year's Eve, we are about to kick everything into high gear in 2018, especially for me on this podcast, uh, 2017 has been good to me, been very good to me, uh, especially with this podcast, I started this podcast in uh, early October, so I've had, uh, or episode 12, right, so I've had 12 weeks to figure this shit out, <laughs> and I think I've done a pretty okay job of figuring figuring out a lot of uh the ins and outs of this whole shit um i got some uh some new equipment in the in the mail Uh, you know christmas was good to me it's good to it was good to the house of o and i got some equipment coming in so i got some big big things planned for the podcast in 2018 and i will not be waiting too deep into 2018 to uh to unveil some of those surprises and some big things coming up uh I had my first guest last week with my wife, Mrs. O, and uh, that was fun. We did something uh, unrelated to the podcast, also some recording stuff that will be released soon, so I'm going to be doing that with a lot of my guests. Whenever I have a guest on, I'll try to maximize the usage (laughs) on having a guest with me and figuring out what to do and and moving along, still in the infancy stage here with episode 12, but uh i i've only been doing the podcast since october so i've been talking about a lot of stuff since october but i thought it'd be cool since 2017 is coming to an uh, to an end every show i think at some point does kind of like a best of or what to look forward to and yada 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 so i thought i'd follow in vain on some of the things that i thought were big moments uh in 2017 um i i, I got quite a few i've actually had to uh dwindle some of this shit down otherwise i'd be here all day my last episode was 90 minutes that is too fucking long i had fun with it so i let it rock but uh it's just me today so there will be no need for uh for a fucking 90 minute diatribe about everything that happened in 2017 because you can definitely look back on 2017 it's kind of a down year i know that there's been tremendous business done in 2017 which is one of the positives. I was looking back at some of these moments. Like I have a giant list in front of me of shit that has gone down. And one of the most positive things I can say about 2017, and I want to begin this all on positivity, is there's a lot of crossover work here. Companies working with other companies. Uh, in 2017, um, the WWE in particular has done some things I never thought I'd see. Uh, Triple H showing up at ICW. uh, you know, Jericho now doing this thing with Omega over at New Japan. And I know that's not a cooperative effort, but just uh, kind of a dream match, I guess, for uh, for Omega and Jericho. And there's just been, you know, we had the UK tournament bringing in those guys who had the Mae Young Classic with women. So 2017 has uh, been a pretty, pretty impactful year when it comes to firsts and making history. Um, but the overall quality of a lot of things, that could be debated. Uh, I won't be debating it. I'm just going to sit here and list some of the things that I thought were were awesome about 2017. And some of these are bad. They're not all great. Some of these are are, are bad moments that so you can look back on and you can say, "Wow, that was terrible. <laughs> that was not a very good idea." And also, there's um, an incident out here that caused quite a quite a black eye, if you will, for the business, if you will. So I'm going to go through some of the stuff. And like I said, I got quite a few, quite a few of them here. So it's not your usual format here on the Orsini Uncensored Mind script. I usually have like a few things, and I just kind of jaw off. But I got quite a few items to get to here because I got some moments here that I got to bring up, but I definitely got to talk about. And I'm gonna open up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get right into it because I'm only gonna do this for 60 minutes. Uh, I'm gonna open up with one of the more t- typical. Topical, I should say. Things of 2017. Because it's still being talked about even now. We're in December. We're we're getting ready to break into 2018. And it's coming up again. So uh, it's become a yearly tradition now. Recently, the last few years. For wrestling fans to begin their wrestling year with Wrestle Kingdom over in New Japan. And last year, I mean people are talking about Wrestle Kingdom right now with Omega and Jericho. But last year, the talk of the town... The talk of the internet, the talk of uh, wrestling communities and locker rooms all all around the world, Uh, Omega versus Okada won over at Wrestle Kingdom 11 last year. Uh, It was touted as being this fantastic match, this great match. Yes, some people went as far to say the greatest match of all time uh, between Okada and Omega. I've taken my heat over this match. Because uh, I did, I do not agree with the whole greatest match of all time stuff. I think it was a good match, uh, even maybe even great, depending on how you really want to look at it and see how much entertainment value you you get from that style. Uh, but it, it was definitely a great match. The whole star system—I'm not even going to get into that because it's a joke and it's garbage. But uh, for the most part, like when they, you know, they—I say it's a joke and it's garbage, and this match was kind of one of the reasons to support that argument because I mean. For years, it's always been a five-star system. This match got six stars. That doesn't make any sense to me. Sorry, uh, but it, it, it kind of just dilutes the whole thing. It uh, overrated is a is a is a tag that might be a little harsh, but I would definitely attach it to this match. Uh, they've gone on since then to have two more, so now they've had this trilogy between Omega and Nakata, and uh, it's being compared amongst one of the best trilogies of all time. And, oh, it's better than Flair and Steamboat, which Nothing will ever be better than Flair and Steamboat. You can't realistically be a fan of wrestling or of wrestling and say something like that, unless you were born way past that era and you just have no knowledge of it. And then this is the best that you got. Then I'll I'll take that. But if you're my age or older and you're saying that this is the best trilogy of all time, you you just got your privileges revoked. I don't ever want to hear that crap coming out of your mouth again. Great trilogy, great sets, great set of matches, Omega and Akata. We're going to start our list off with that, Wrestle Kingdom 11, and uh, for those of you who uh, are new to the New Japan stuff, New Japan World is their network streaming site, you can catch their matches on there, and you can catch Wrestle Kingdom 12 on there as well. Yes, they have uh, English commentary, which is one of the things that used to turn me off to New Japan for a long time, because... I would listen to Japanese commentary and I don't know what the fuck they're saying. So I'm not invested. I just have to get over, uh, get off on the matches, which for the most part, you know, are usually pretty good. So I, I'd watch it here and there, but I've never really been attached to it as a fan. So now that they're consistently doing the English commentary, especially for the network, um, I'll probably be paying more attention, especially up in 2018, especially since New Japan now is starting to stretch out a little bit. Um, into the United States area, which is another one of the topics I wanted to bring up. I guess I'll go ahead and segue to that now, with Kenny Omega winning the IWGP United States Championship Uh, in the States, mind you. New Japan ran a a weekend set of shows in the States, where Kenny Omega, the Canadian, won the U.S. title for a Japanese company. That all happened. (laughs) It happened here, I believe, out in California. So that was one of those big moments where you say to yourself, "All right, this is becoming a, a bigger thing than than they've ever been." New Japan's always been a big company. The IWGP has always been a a, a company where uh, uh they they've had great prestige and they they've been around a long time. Uh, but to American fans, I think for the most part, they're still they're they're new, they're fresh, they're something different. So if they start getting their tentacles over here. WWE might be in a little bit of trouble. A little bit of trouble. And speaking of more overseas stuff, I already mentioned a big moment this year in 2017 was that UK tournament. And again, it's more of an education for me, just like the New Japan ex- expansion has been a, an education for me. Um, the UK tournament has also been an expansion for me. Uh, I, I, knew, I knew some of the names that were coming out of the UK scene. More importantly, three names in particular. Uh, Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven, I I knew of those three. And you hear some names every now and then pop up. Uh, But I never really had a history. I never really had a a connection to a lot of the UK competitors uh, until this tournament, which was, I think, again, good business because, Jesus Christ, uh, what a tournament. It was great. Uh, The style is a little repetitive a lot of the guys wrestle the same way so when you have a, a 16-man tournament I mean that's a lot of matches with a bunch of guys that wrestle the same way but for the most part the certain talents stand out above the rest you know if you've got that x-factor you got that x-factor and of course the three names that I mentioned were standouts but there were a few others I'm a big Mark Andrews guy I like Wolfgain uh, there were a couple of names that popped out that I didn't know before this tournament so that was a nice little expansion for me, and if it was an expansion for me, that I know the common, the common everyday casual um, probably learned a few things as well from from that tournament. So that was a big deal, you know. And and, and to segue from that, uh, the the May Young Classic this year, won by uh, eventual winner, Carrie Sane defeating Shane Basler and the uh, excuse me, Shana Basler to win the May Young Classic. That that the, the the tournament for that was great. As well, um, it exposed um, two things. It exposed two things to, to new fans. A, the wealth of talent that the WWE doesn't have. That was one thing, because these, these ladies went out there and really put a great effort out there, and there were some really great matches. And, and there were some really bad ones. <laughs> there were some really bad ones, you know, just like all, 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 all of these tournaments, men um, or, or female, you're going to have your good matches, you're going to have your bads. You know, the Cruiserweight Classic has some duds, too, for the record. So you had some good ones. You had some great, uh, some bad ones. And uh, my wife, Mrs. O, uh, was really looking forward to the May Young Classic because she was really a supporter of women's wrestling and was really looking forward to seeing some of these talents uh, for the first time. There were a lot of names that she knew, but she never really saw in action. Uh, So this tournament was able to educate even her. On some of these talents she walked away with a lot of favorites Lacey Evans is her by far her favorite she loved the whole military gimmick with the whole you know the the uh, 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 1920s military deal and, and 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 she loved all that stuff Santana Garrett uh, Tessa Blanchard had a great match uh, actually it's kind of funny uh one of the people that she was least impressed by was Carrie sane and I think that's because of the whole Oscar comparison and You know, they they wrestle a very similar style, and I got a lot of that from when Carrie Sane won the tournament. She was the only one of the tournament uh, before I started planning it who was already technically signed. So it's pretty obvious uh, from its formation down to its execution and down eventually to its finale who was walking away with this tournament. It's The one thing about uh, this tournament I didn't like, it was pretty clear cut from day one where this was headed. It was basically just a showcase for Kyrie Sane to come off looking like a bonafide star uh, in a very short amount of time. And, and, and it worked to a degree. By the time she got to take over Houston and competed for the vacant women's championship, uh, she was seen as an equal. There was no doubt about that. She could have won that match just as easily as anybody else. Uh, for the record, for those of you keeping track, Ember Moon won that match. So she's uh, the current NXT Women's Champion. So we've had some we've had some pretty amazing situations here in two, two thousand and seventeen. More good business. Let's bring up more good business because we're gonna. I want to really knock home a lot of the good things that happened this year. So let's talk about the Hardys, okay? The Broken Hardys, or the they went from the Broken Hardys to back to the Hardy Boys, I guess you could say. Uh, they turned uh, an immensely big frown upside down on one magical weekend in new york and in florida so the hardy's had their situation with uh with tna which they were called at the time and uh the hardy's contracts were coming up there was this big legal battle over the gimmick and um so the hardy's went to ring of honor and the speculation went crazy. Were they full-time members? Because the rumor were the rumors were they were headed to the WWE, but then they wound up in Ring of Honor. And Matt even went so far as to say that they have signed contracts with the Honorable Ring, and and they really had people going that this was going to be a full-time deal, and they were going to be working the Ring of Honor shows. And uh, what really sealed the deal, I think, what really grabbed audiences into believing this crap was because they won the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. Uh, they caught the Young Bucks sleeping, and they, they beat beating for the titles. So now the Broken Hardys were the tag team champions. They would go on to defend said championship a few times. And then we get to WrestleMania weekend. Now, WrestleMania weekend, the Hardy Boys defended the Ring of Honor tag team championship against the Young Bucks in a rematch on Saturday night, the night before WrestleMania. So the, the Hardys were the Ring of Honor tag champs going into the weekend. Okay, and then they compete against the Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks win the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles back, which means the Hardys are no longer champions. But then the next night at WrestleMania, 70000 plus in Orlando, Florida, the Hardy Boys make the big return. And for my money, that is still the best moment of the year. If I had to give it to a moment... What was the best moment of the year? That would be it. I mean, the response they got at WrestleMania, huge, huge response at WrestleMania. Uh, I know personally, I popped hard as shit for it. I have people in my house. I have a year, uh, an annual WrestleMania party in my house was packed to the gills, and we almost tore my house apart um, from excitement. The Hardy Boys back in the back in the WWE. And uh, Matt was still rolling with that broken gimmick. At that, during you watch that WrestleMania entrance, and he, he rocks that gimmick to death. Uh, fuck all the legal matters. He, he was gonna be broken when he came out at WrestleMania, and uh, and then the future, and then the the even bigger shock. They'd go on to win uh, another ladder match. They lost a the ladder match the night before, but they won the one at WrestleMania. I guess the one that's the one that counts because they walked away with the WWE. Raw Tag Team Champions. So they came in Ring of Honor Tag Champs. They leave Raw Tag Champs. Uh, that's a big weekend for the Hardy Clan. And uh, that was a great moment in wrestling, I thought. I thought that was a great moment in wrestling. Um, not just in 2017, to be honest with you. Because there's a lot of history with the Hardys and the WWE. There's a lot going on with that. Uh, I've been as big as Hardy fan as there's ever been in the history of space and time. And, uh, and I had my years... You know, when, when the drugs and all the bad decisions were taking place where I start to fall off. I, I think people really started to forget how important these two guys really were in history. So to see them now back on Raw, back on SmackDown, even now as we speak here. Because um, this was a big moment in, I don't know, what's that, March, April, WrestleMania season? And he's just now in December doing the gimmick you know, broken, woken, whatever you want to call it. He's just now really getting the gimmick going, so it's looking like it's going to be a big 2018 for Matt Hardy as well. So I'm super proud of those guys, and, and I'm glad they're uh, they're doing their thing. Uh, more, more positive stuff. I want to stick more to the positive stuff. Now, this next thing I'm going to mention is a match, and it's not really a moment. It's it's a straight up match. And for a long stretch of time, in this uh, in this year, I really had this as the match of the year, and that would be Pete Dunne versus Tyler Bate takeover for Chicago. Uh, by far, one of the one of my favorite matches that I've ever seen in a WWE ring, it's up there. Uh, and I know people were criticized the match. Again, this list is for me. It's one of my favorite matches. Uh, not just of 2017, but I think it's one of the best matches NXT has ever done. Ever. And, and that was just, it was just a great forward matchup. There wasn't a whole lot of breaks. There wasn't a whole lot of in betweens. These guys just fucking went. Uh, one of the best comparisons I was told about this match, so I can't even really take credit for it, it reminded people a lot of Savage Steamboat. Where it was just forward, 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 going, going, going until we reach our climax. And there are not a whole lot of matches that get me. I've been watching wrestling my whole life. So for a match to grab me, it's got to be a great fucking match. And, uh, and this was a great fucking match. I mean, all around. Um, the psychology was enough. Um, obviously this was a match based on physicality, the athleticism of the two of them going back and forth, a game of one-upsmanship. And I think that's where, where the psychology lied. It was more a game of one-upmanship. It wasn't really a, you know, pick a body part or, uh, one man trying to belittle the other. It was just a straight up fight. You know, it was British strong style at its, at its peak. And they were just going at it tooth and nail and just being badasses. And it was good. And Pete Dunn walked away a champion. Many say that he should have been the champion from the get, but I like the fact that Bait was champion. I like the fact that they got to string that out and let Pete win it uh, another time, you know, because I, I honestly believe, I think Dunn would have fizzled out if he would have gotten it that soon. I think the fact that they were able to build contenders before giving the king his crown, I think it was smart. Smart move on the WWE's part, build the division and then, and then showcase your top guy and I think Pete Dunn's their top guy. Dunn has superstar written all over his ass. And uh he's gonna be a big, a big, big deal in the WWE once they figure out how exactly they're going to utilize him. Because that's that's the hard part there. Utilizing him in the right way. Uh another thing that happened earlier in the air DIY breaking up. Emotional turn. I saw tears, bro. I saw fucking tears Uh, in the audience's members eyes Uh, that was just fucking well done there are not many turns that are really that impressive a and b that people don't already see coming because nowadays like uh, there's no such thing as a surprise turn anymore all of a sudden now you have to build toward the surprise which doesn't make any sense but nowadays it's like you you can't just turn you know, it's, it's impossible to just turn. You have to build and build and build and build the tension until eventually the guy snaps. That's not what happened here. That's how they tried to sell it. You know, Tommaso was saying all these feelings that he had kept up inside and then he got hurt and how he was so easily replaced. And But it was just brilliantly done. And the only thing that sucked about this was... Uh, was the injury and the injury to Tommaso Ciampa? And apparently, it was a much more serious injury than we thought because we it's December and we still haven't seen him. And um, you know, Tommaso and Gargano were the team, and Tommaso got hurt in the match in which he turned on Gargano. So they got it going, they got it started, and then poof, just bad luck. Uh, but it's good. It here's the here's the good part to that. It hasn't happened yet. They still have it on the burner. NXT's been really good and really smart on reminding the audiences of this fact every now and then of uh, of the DIY situation and the breakup with Tommaso. They did it with Vega when she threw the shirt at Gargano. Like they've been very smart and 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 have shown great foresight here to just keep it somewhat there. They're not murdering it to death to where people are getting sick of it and they haven't even seen it yet. It's been just the right amount of keeping it topical so that when Tommaso does come back, uh, it's a bigger deal. And I have I've been hearing people prognosticate how Tommaso is going to come back. So Johnny has got the match at uh, at Philly. Okay, he's got the NXT title match against uh, Almas and he's got the NXT championship match. And there's a lot of people speculating that Tommaso is going to get involved with that match. And I'm not opposed to him getting involved in the match. But I think I got a better plan than what most people are coming up with. And people are just already assuming Tommaso is going to cost Gargano the match. Which is going to lead to the WrestleMania match. Uh, the WrestleMania weekend match, I should say. They're not wrestling at WrestleMania. It'll be the NXT show before Mania. Uh, but they, uh, they, they, a lot of people are seeing Tommaso as... as costing gargano the match i think it's smarter for the heel to not only get involved in that almost gargano matchup but to swerve everybody and and help gargano i think it actually would be smarter what if he came out he stares down with gargano like it's about to go down and he just beats the shit out of Almas and sets him up gargano gets the win he wins the nxt title and now champa can accomplish two goals he can get his hands on Gargano, which is what he wants, but he can also get a shot at the championship. He doesn't get a shot at the championship if Almas is still champion because he's going to be tangled up with Gargano, but you can do two birds with one stone. I'm just thinking through the mind of the heel here. We've got a, a prime situation. Why would I want to cost Gar- I know that if I help Gargano win, yes, that would make him champion, but wouldn't it be even sweeter? Wouldn't it prove... Everything that he's been saying this whole time about how he's superior to his partner, he's better than Gargano, wouldn't, wouldn't that prove his point if he was to take the title off of Johnny Wrestling? That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm hoping to see, something different. It'd be too, all too easy for Tommaso to come out and cost Gargano the matchup. I think Tommaso should, uh, should help, help him out. Let him get the belt. So you could rip it from him. <laughs> so you can take it from him. All right, Some more early of the year stuff. I have to bring this up. Because now, now we're going to dig into the not so good stuff. Now we're going to dig into the not so good stuff. So Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble this year. In 2017. I know people have blocked that memory out. Because we were, just went through this whole evolution stream of Batista, then Triple H, and then Randy Orton. So we've been going through this whole deal. I think Flair, that's why I keep telling people, Flair is winning the Rumble this year. I keep telling people. That's the only Evolution member that hasn't won the Rumble yet, (laughs) at least recently. They're all two-time winners now, right? Batista won the Rumble for a second time. Triple H won the Rumble for a second time. Randy Orton won the Rumble for a second time, and now we need Flair to win it for a second time. That's how that works. Ric Flair is going to win the Royal Rumble this year. I keep telling people, but Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble this year. You can't find a more obvious, a more painfully obvious thank you for his SummerSlam match with Brock Lesnar than Royal Rumble, uh, a Royal Rumble win, and then Bray Wyatt winning the WWE Championship just to set up a Randy Orton win at WrestleMania. I mean, you cannot find a more clear cut. Thank you, sir. May I have another than that? Okay. Okay. But they ended up cheating. Uh, they ended up getting it back from Randy Orton because uh, Randy Orton didn't last long as WWE champion. No siree, Bob. See, Randy Orton's reign lasted about a little over a month, I would say, a little over a month, and then he ran into a buzzsaw. Okay, then he ran into a problem. He ran into a real man Okay Randy Orton ran into, yes. Yes. Uh, uh, uh. Yes. Ran into a real man Actually more than a man He ran into the modern-day Maharaja. And that's another big moment that happened this year, folks, in 2017. The modern-day Maharaja became the WWE champion. That's right. A six-month reign as WWE champion for my man, the modern-day Maharaja, Jinder Mahal. Okay? And Jinder Mahal... All right, did a favor for all of you fucks out there. That's right, a favor. He blessed you with a championship run this year. And all of you haters out there probably all got a kick out of Clash of Champions. I know you did. I got messages. I got notifications. People posting on my wall trying to rub this shit in. Okay, trying to rub in the fact that Jinder Mahal lost to AJ Styles. At Clash of Champions. How about we take a second. Take a breath, if you will. And recap this motherfucker. Alright, let's recap this shit. So you spend years making him a jobber. When clearly he's not. He's already proven that. Not a jobber. He's exceptional. Okay? But you made him a jobber. And he survives termination. He comes back. He's jacked through the gills. More motivated than ever, And you finally wake up from your coma. And come to your senses. And realize this is too much man to have on the bench. So you put him in the position to succeed. And he does. And he wins the WWE Championship. Not just against anybody. He didn't beat the Miz for it. He beat Randy Orton. The Viper. The Apex Predator. The St. Louis Missouri Murderers. (laughs) <laughs> the murderer of careers, Randy Orton, beats him, and then he beats him, and then he beats him, and he puts nail in that damn coffin and sends Randy Orton off into the distance. Then he takes on your artist, your Japanese savior, beats him, and beats him and beats him. Then he's you guys send your your Superman against him, right? Captain Make a Wish, and he beats him. And he starts mowing down competition, and he shows the world he has been exactly what I said all six months of his championship reign, a beast. He is indeed more than a man, but just shy of a god. He is the modern-day Maharaja. And then and then, a phenomenal AJ Styles comes out of nowhere starts talking garbage because i already caught him in a lie if you're following me on social media i caught his ass in a lie saying that that gender beat all these guys but he never beat me meanwhile he he was the last fucking fucking person he beat to be right before he became champion so he's on that list of people that gender has mowed down on his path to greatness right so he, he did beat AJ Styles, but now we have a, a new gender, and we have a new AJ toward the end of the year. And AJ catches gender while Jinder is preparing for the match of his lifetime. Jinder is prepared. He is issuing challenges. The confidence is higher than ever. He challenges the Beast, the Beast incarnate Brock Lesnar, for a match at SummerSlam. So, of course, Ginger is in preparation for the biggest match of his life. And it in swoops AJ Styles in London in the one area that the WWE Championship not only has never changed hands, but is rarely ever defended. And AJ gets himself a title match and sneaks away with a victory and steals the championship from Jinder Mahal and then plays the political game. Because you notice AJ didn't have to give Jinder a rematch before Lesnar. Jinder had to give AJ a match, but AJ didn't have time to give Jinder a match because he had to he had to get ready for Brock Lesnar, which AJ wouldn't have had even been in that match with Lesnar if it wasn't for Jinder because Jinder was the one who laid the challenge down. Didn't need to go that way. But AJ comes in, takes all the glory. Granted, AJ and Brock go out there and damn near have match of the year great survivor series match but what happened on that rematch guys let's talk about clash of the champions what happened i'll tell you what happened i'll tell you exactly what happened jinder mahal beat that ass he beat that ass oh yeah play it again play it again. Uh-huh. That's Uh, Uh, That's right. Gender beat his ass. Okay? AJ took the ass beating of a lifetime. He didn't beat gender, he survived gender. And in true political fashion, because AJ knows that Jen, on a third try, Jinder would beat his ass. You know, when Jinder was champion, he gave Randy Orton how many opportunities? He gave Shinsuke how many opportunities? How many times did he fight the same guy over and over and gave him a shot? And AJ doesn't have time for one more? You know why he doesn't have time for one more. You know why. You know why AJ doesn't have time for one more. That's right. That's right. Uh. He doesn't have time because he knows Junior would beat his ass and take a championship from him. He knows that. So, more political games. Junior now has to get his opportunity elsewhere. And guess what? Guess what happened? Dolph Ziggler puts down the U.S. title. We have a U.S. title tournament. Junior's already advanced. So, now all of you cried because he was the WWE champion. Ooh, how are you bitches going to feel when he wins the U.S. championship? Huh? That's right, the U.S. title could use a little Maharaja yeah. yeah. A U.S. Uh, title, baby uh, uh. I'm sure this uh, will make the Southern States beko, happen mm-hmm. yeah. How are you guys going to feel about that? To have an Indian man who speaks Punjabi to be the United States champion, huh? Yeah, I didn't think so. Punk asses. It's going to happen anyway. What was that thing Flair used to say? You don't have to like it, but you better learn to love it. Because it's the best thing going. And Ginger's the best thing going today. And that's it. That's my gender Mahal rant right there. I need not say anything any further. Let's talk about some more negativity. I just broke out some positivity right there with gender. Let's talk about some more negativity. Roman Reigns defeating The Undertaker at WrestleMania, baby. Big moment of the year. The big dog. It's his yard. He's the, he's the guy. He's not a guy. He's the guy. Listen, they can do whatever they want with Roman Reigns. I think the horse kind of left the barn with that. I can't sit here and defend it any further. People just aren't going to get into it. That's, uh, get into him. That's all I can really say about this. Uh, I say about it at this point. And I, at some point with Cena, we had to throw our hands in the air and just say, fuck it. You know, some people are going to like him. Some people are going to hate him. And it's the same thing with Roman. You're not going to win everybody over. The days of having that one guy who's just super popular and you can plug him anywhere and it's fine those days are gone cuz there's just too many fans right now that are just all over the map with their feelings and emotions and likes and wants and there's just there, there's no point now in trying to placate to the audience it really isn't you know the whole argument of well you should give the fans what they want well the fans don't have a fucking clue what they want at least not collectively Every individual has their likes and dislikes, and it's different. But when you're running a multi-billion dollar country, you can't pitch to the niche. You have to pitch to whatever is going to generate the most interest. And there's enough on the positive side for Roman Reigns where it makes financial sense to keep him where he is, so that's what they're going to do. Um, and the writing was on the wall for The Undertaker, even after the streak, which is, which is where I think the big mistake of this was. Uh, once you broke the streak... I mean, can you imagine if Roman would have... Because Roman got terrible heat for winning the match in the first place. Could you imagine the heat he would have gotten had he broken the streak? Man, that would have been fucking huge. They would have completely shit on him. <laughs> they would have been shitting on Roman regardless. But, man, I can't even imagine. this whole. Day, and, and it's funny. I'm going to segue into... I was going to save this for later, but since we're talking about him. Because the plan for Roman Reigns is is they were going to put the shield back together to kind of re- recoup some of the uh the damage here get some of these boos taken away but this shield reunion has been a fucking fiasco it's it's a bust i mean i think it's clear at this point cuz it's not going to get any better anytime soon this whole shield reunion thing is a bust you know they they waited for forever to get this thing going they worked it up just right ambrose and in Rollins first and then they brought in Reigns later and we finally get the big reveal and the big pop for the return and it wasn't but two weeks three weeks in Roman goes down with the fucking mumps or whatever the fuck some viral infection and he's fucking down and then they start this carousel of replacements with Triple H and Kurt Angle all wearing flap jackets and just running the gimmick into the fucking ground and, and then they they all come back and they let the flap jackets go and they're they're back to wearing their old shit and uh, and now dean the guy who never gets hurt is hurt for the next couple of months he just may miss not only the rumble but he's also going to miss wrestlemania season altogether and it's just this is just a bust this is the shits so in the beginning of all this, when The Shield really got cooking, especially with that, uh, that six-man tag, when they finally got back together for at least a short time, uh, the crowd was digging it, and the, he was getting positive reactions, and, and it was exactly what they wanted, but now that certain people are down, and, and and they're not functioning as a unit anymore, I mean, it's becoming clearer and clearer that <laughs> the audience is starting to wake up from the haze, and they're going, oh, oh I remember now, I hate this guy. Oh, okay, and, and and now you're starting to hear it, and I definitely heard it this past Monday. He got a significant amount of uh, of of booze from the audience, and and it's just reverting back. So I mean, this whole shield thing, not so uh, not so good. Uh, another negative moment. I, I I'm gonna start doing positive shit in a second, but another another ne- negative moment. Uh, actually, this one takes place south of the border. You know where I'm headed with this. Okay, so it, Sexy Star and Rosemary, that incident took place this year, and it wasn't that significant a moment. Uh, it, it's really more of a backstage thing than a than a public thing, but it, it, this goes to my point that I said a few weeks ago about locker room leaders and handling shit from people and, and, and all that stuff. So Sexy Star was in a triple threat. It was Sexy Star, Rosemary, and somebody else. I don't remember, and I don't care. And it was tri- Triple Mania 25, and it's uh, it's for a championship, and they're having a match, and I don't know if Rosemary did something. I don't know if she forgot something. I don't fucking know, but Sexy Star got rough with her a few times, and then they, they go into the finish, uh, which is supposed to be an arm bar, and Sexy fucking tears that fucking arm up, and uh, from what I understand, literally took it out of the socket. Rosemary had a dislocated shoulder. Um, and there was a lot of fucking heat backstage. I mean, there were people just fucking hot and she was catching shit and, um, it got all over the internet and, and not just for fans, but there were workers from other companies commenting on this. It was a whole big ordeal. Now I've already stated my stance on locker room leaders and, and, um, getting physical and stepping in and doing things when necessary. As a third-party person, I don't know Sexy Star, and I don't know Rosemary. I've not had the chance to work with either of them. So I'm just looking at this on the surface uh, from what I saw. And from what I saw on the surface, uh, I kind of sided with Sexy Star on this initially. You know, it's her company. She's been there for forever. From what I understand, this was Rosemary's debut. She was the new one in this matchup, and, you know, like I said, I don't know what Rosemary did, but if Sexy felt like she needed some correcting, then I'm 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 okay with that. I've always been okay with that. I'll always be okay with that. I'm not, I'm not looking at it as a bully situation or or uh, you know they're taking advantage. There's supposed to be some sort of professional decorum, and she's taking advantage. Uh, I'm not looking at it in that way, uh, or at least I didn't initially. I saw Sexy start going there and do what she always does. Because she has a history of this. I love when fans, too, they go, Oh, she's such a bully. She's a piece of shit. Let her try that shit in Japan. And uh, and I've shut down a few fans with that because she did do it in Japan. If you go to YouTube, you, you can look up Sexy Star in Japan and, and you'll have some matches there. But she did the same shit. She hit and she got hit back and she was just fine. And so was the other person. This was just a situation where apparently she went too far. Like I said, third party looking out, first instance, I was actually okay with what Sexy did, but now learning from people who are on the inside, who were there, who have told the story since, and and, uh, and we've gotten much more clarity since then, because remember, this situation happened a, a, a while ago, a few months ago. So since more information has come out, since more things have been have come to light, and, and not only that, but the lack of contrition uh, from Sexy Star... I expect my locker room leaders to be able to go in there and correct a situation when needed, but I need my locker room leaders to be able to go in there and accept the consequences for such decisions. And she did not do that. She was trying to play like she didn't know what was going on, like she was just plain dumb. I can't I can't support that. So if you're not going to stand by your decision, if you can't just go in front of a microphone and say, yeah, she needed correcting, so I corrected that ass, and that was it. Um, if you can't do that, then I don't know what the fuck you know, I don't know what the fuck, (laughs) that's it, Uh, a New Japan note, uh, which is, this is not bad or good, it's just more, it's kind of a sad moment, and I felt it needed to be said on this podcast, because again, I never, I never really talked too much about foreign wrestling, so um, this one's, this, this one stuck with me a little bit, because I understand a little bit where he's coming from with this, I've got some history with this, so Shibata, over in, japan, in new japan he won the 2017 new japan cup this year uh he won it in april and then 20 days later it was literally just 20 days later he's in a match with okada where he suffered a, a brain injury he's got that spot where he does the headbutt and he busts himself open as part of the as part of the match and uh he ran that spot with okada and um didn't think much of it and he went about his business and he went to the locker room and he passed out and ended up getting medical attention and he's been on the injured reserve ever since. Um, the official diagnosis, I believe, was some sort of brain hematoma. Uh, there was some hemorrhaging there. There was some some uh, some, some bad bleeding. He, he's, he's been hurt pretty bad uh, for the most part of this year. Um, he did make a, a very nice, warm uh, ring entrance recently, a few weeks ago, as a matter of fact. Uh, ring entrance was all he did. He returned to the arena to an nice ovation and... Um, Basically just said that he was okay. And then he went And then he went to the back. I mean, he's just pure class. I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up. I, I don't follow too much of the New Japan stuff, but I've seen a lot of Shibata stuff, and I can understand from his style why he gets hurt so much, but at the same time, uh, it, it, it was nice. It took me back to the Hayabusa days uh, when Hayabusa got injured, and then eventually he came. I mean, he did it years later, but eventually he made his way to the ring again. And uh, it was kind of like that moment where it's like uh, it kind of gives the audience the idea that uh, that he's gonna be all right. And if he never wrestles again, Shibata. If he never wrestles again, he he did have a nice run. Um, he 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 was on his way for a gigantic push. He was gonna be one of those new guys that were pushing to the forefront. And uh, it's just a really shitty set of circumstances. So. So that was that for New Japan, and I think that's pretty much it for my notes here when it comes to the foreign stuff. So, um, oh, I also have Kushida winning the uh, Best of the Super Juniors, Um, his second time beating Osprey, who was last year's winner. And uh, Kushida, the first time, won in 2015. So it's separated by about two years, and Kushida had uh, defeated Ricochet in the finals for the 2015 Best of the Super Juniors. If, If none of you have any idea what I'm talking about when I say best. Of the Super Juniors, um, get your ass to YouTube right now and check that shit the fuck out, Um, because that is an amazing tournament. Uh, That's the one tournament. That's the one part of New Japan I I am very versed in. I I know a lot of. I've seen a lot of fucking Super Junior um, tournaments in my day, Uh, going back to even back to the uh, Jushin Liger Thunder days when he was winning it every year. And and, I mean, we're going. I mean, Pegasus Kid (laughs) Chris Benoit uh winning one of these fucking things. So I I mean Jericho, you can name a list of people who have been involved with these Super Juniors that have all come out as uh Hall of Famers essentially. I mean, this is a very prestigious tournament. And uh and I love when they have the same names up there. I really do. Like to have a mixture of people every year, it's nice, but I think it becomes more prestigious when when you have some sort of dominance at the top of the card and uh and Kushida Ricochet and Osprey right now. Now Ricochet's out. I believe that he's, uh, I think he's headed to Florida, but uh, Osprey and Kushida could be doing this until the end of time. <laughs> I, I love seeing those two together, so it should be interesting, and, and that's what happened over there. We had a, a, a litany here of uh, of championship matches, and I'm just going to run through them real quick because I think that it's important to just, to acknowledge them. Because to me, they were big moments, and I, and I'm, I don't want to lump them together, but I'm going to do them together because I, I'm, I'm running short on time, so I'm, I'm going to put them all together here. But these were all big, big moments for me, um, not just as a fan, but definitely as a, as a professional. Uh, Goldberg winning the WWE Universal Championship, I know a lot of people shit on that. Um, I honestly don't know what the WWE gained from it. Maybe some... I don't know, like, how much mainstream pull that he really have when he won? I'm not sure. I just know that it had a shit ton of people talking, and uh, especially the older fans. More importantly, the older WCW fans. <laughs> a lot of them were talking, both positively and negatively. There were a lot of Goldberg fans from back in the day that were like, okay, yeah, that's not cool. You you, you shouldn't be winning the championship at this point. Uh, and it's funny because Gold, This and I put these two together, goldberg wins wwe universal championship people have a problem with it but it wasn't that much uh later where christopher daniels uh christopher daniels won the ring of honor world title the former fallen angel the, the ring general christopher daniels who's been with the company literally since day one um i don't you know with his tna years conflicting he he would take time off from ring of honor but for the most part he's always been looked at as even when he was in tna he was always looked at as an roh guy and uh, I've had conversations with uh, Lowkey, as a matter of fact, who was the winner uh, of, uh, of the first Ring of Honor World Championship Fatal 4-Way matchup. And he, even he's told me, uh, he has no clue how Daniels wasn't the one that was selected. You know, he's happy that he was selected and he ran with it. But he, he along with the other boys, they were all kind of shocked uh, when Christopher Daniels did not win the Ring of Honor title he thought for sure that was a shoe in And that's how that's how good he was at the time. He was the veteran at the time as well. And uh, he has deserved that Ring of Honor World title for a long fucking time. So you have kind of the tale of two tapes. Goldberg wins the Universal Championship and people snooze, but Christopher Daniels, who's also kind of an older guy, uh, but can still go. And, and he won the Ring of Honor World title and everyone rejoiced. And uh, the guy he lost it to was also kind of big in the news that he won which was Cody, Cody Rhodes, winning the Ring of Honor World Championship. Um, c- Cody's had a very interesting run. I don't want to even say in the indies because he's you know, he's not really... People have been saying that. Well, Cody's been making money off of the indies. He, he really hasn't done that many indies. Cody's not everywhere. You know, like, Cody's, Cody does New Japan, which really isn't an indie, and he does Ring of Honor, which really isn't an indie anymore. And he's done a few locals... You know, he's done new up in up in the uh, the East Coast. I think in the Connecticut area, and 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 he's done a, a few spot shows here and there. But he really, he really hasn't done too many indies per se. That's why I keep telling people because they're like, "Well, Cody's making good money on the indies." It's like he's not really wrestling in the indies. He's not doing that many indie spots. It's not like he's doing show after show after show in these rinkadink barns or gymnasiums around the like. He's doing a few, you know, but he's not doing. He's not making a full career out of it, uh, but it is huge for him as the guy from the WWE who was looked at kind of like a mid-card talent. For him to win the uh, Ring of Honor World Championship, I took me back to those uh, uh, to those old, those young, younger or older, whichever. the uh, The old uh, Ring of Honor days, you know, when when uh, they would bring in these stars and they would get over. Uh, with the Ring of Honor audience, but they would never really like do it at the expense of uh, of of the younger talent. And I think Cody, uh, I think Cody's been really respectful of that. Even though he's technically still a young guy, he knows that a lot of these Ring of Honor guys have been there longer than him. So he's not trying to completely tear away the spotlight, but he's still trying to uh, incorporate all that. So I, I respect Cody a lot for that. And Cody lost the championship recently, uh, about a week or two ago to dalton to uh dalton castle which is uh exactly what i just said Uh, always keeping an eye on that next guy and dalton was the next guy i think any ring of honor fan or any wrestling fan that knows his work will tell you dalton castle should be the ring of honor world championship i mean he perfect for television he's the perfect guy and uh he's an in he's an in-house guy he's a ring of honor grown homegrown talent so that was amazing um even the matchup was amazing and, and blonde cody is amazing <laughs> and his wife is amazing my god in heaven uh that is a beautiful woman cody is a lucky lucky man uh he is truly the envy of all the men now he's got a great looking woman he's got a great career he's the world champion or at least he was for forever uh man, cody's winning right now <laughs> he is winning right now and also a guy who won big this year It came at a great cost but drew mcintyre winning the nxt title uh was huge, former WWE cast off reinventing himself, becoming a little stronger, a little smarter, a little wiser coming back and dominating. Um, I do believe he was supposed to drop the belt and get called up. What uh, drew with his tricep in the matchup with Almas at the takeover show. And uh, Drew's going to be out for a couple of months, but uh, he had some momentum. People were buying in heavy. Uh, took a little bit to transition to the WWE. Because uh, what he was doing on the Indies was working for the Indies, but it wasn't really when he first debuted back in NXT. It wasn't clicking the way that I think that they thought it was going to do. But he picked up speed, and and uh, by the time he got to the NXT title win, I mean he was he was good to go. He was good to go. He was doing some some great stuff, and I anticipate him doing some great stuff when he gets to um, when he gets to. Uh, the main roster which is where I think his return will be. I don't think his return is going to be in NXT. I think when he heals up, I think it'll be uh I think it'll be a main roster deal. Um Enzo Amore winning the Cruiserweight Championship. Why am I bringing this up? How was this a big moment? Uh it's it wasn't a big moment in a positive sense to tell you that. Cuz I think we all had different plans for Enzo. It just seemed like a whirlwind couple of weeks for him, just bad shit after bad shit and uh I'll give him credit because he weathered the storm and he turned his uh, his frown completely upside down. He turned that chicken shit into chicken salad because you may not like him, but I love him as cruiserweight champion. I do. It's not the same as when Neville had it. Uh, I actually think Neville obviously clearly was the better champion. But Enzo's doing something with that division that a lot of those guys in the division can't do. And I've been saying this for forever. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast just yet. But I got a big problem with 205 Live, and and I got a big problem with the fans who don't fucking understand my problem with 205 Live, and is that all these guys that are on 205 Live are super talented, and they all deserve to be in the WWE, and I've worked with almost all those guys that are in 205 Live, so I know them at a little bit on a personal level as well. So I'm very happy for all those guys, because they're great men, and they take their job seriously, and their craft seriously, and they do a hell of a job inside the ring. But they're boring as fuck. Okay? You have to do more than just the cool shit in the ring. There's got to be more. And a lot of the guys have been adjusting well. I like the way that Gallagher has changed it up. I like the way that, uh, that Drew has definitely come into his own and he's doing something different. That's cool. That's going to help 205 Live. Adding Enzo was huge to that. Because he can give his creative input to some of those guys and and really truly lead them in that direction and give them a dynamic that they didn't fucking have before. So I love the fact that Enzo was in two hundred five live, and I love the fact that the guys are taking to him so well, at least on 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 camera. Now now that we've gotten all the heat out of the way and now it's just business, it seems like everybody's doing their own thing. So that's really cool. Okay, so that's that's all those championship moments. Uh, I got a few more significant moments. Obviously, Kurt Angle coming back to the WWE into the Hall of Fame and uh, becoming general manager was huge. Uh, Paige returning after all of that crap. (laughs) All that crap that went down with Paige. I'm glad to see she survived and she's back where she belongs. And that's in the ring during her own thing. And I hope, I I have always wished the best for her because it's just shitty situation after shitty situation. And hopefully she can keep her shit together and everything should be all right. Uh, Summerslam pre-show opening up to no audience was a big deal. Again, not positively. uh, It was a negative thing, but I laughed at that because, on a personal note, uh, the security company that does security for Barclay and uh, the Barclay Center in Brooklyn is a company called Securitas, which I used to work for. So I know what happened there. (laughs) I mean, not officially, but I've been around Securitas enough to know that Uh, if you don't speak directly to them about schedule changes, they can fuck that up. (laughs) And I just think there was a communication issue there and they were trying to fix it and get fans in as fast as they could, but by then the damage was done. Uh, It was just, to me, it was a funny situation. That's why I had it on this list because uh, Miz took that shit hilariously personal and uh, went extremely far with it in his promos down the line. So that was a big moment. One of the last significant moments I'm going to bring up this year. LAX redebuting in Impact. Uh, and I left that one for last because uh, that's a personal one with me. Um, obviously, Homicide has been huge um, for my career on a personal level and a professional level. So I was extremely happy to see him back with Conan and back in Impact. And the cherry on the Sunday, he brought two of my homeboys with him. Ortiz and Santana, uh, formerly EYFBO, who I've known since literally the dog days of their career. I mean the very beginning of their careers, um, they were working with me at the beginning of my career. We came up in the business at almost simultaneous times. Um, I think they may be ahead of me by like a year because they were already in training when I came in. So but for the most part, um, our, our our careers have been parallel for a long fucking time. Uh, but they won because they got signed before I did. I'm never gonna get signed, but I'm glad they got signed because <laughs> they're a great talents, as you're all starting to see now. And they're, and I can tell you, they're not just great talents; they're great men as well. Um, I love those guys. They've been through so much in their lives. Um, especially Santana, been through so much in their lives. Um, to get this opportunity, and the, both of them have worked so hard. So I was super happy to see them debut and I've been super happy to see their work since they've been there. Um they started off very shaky <laughs> and uh, and I've I've spoken to I've spoken to them about this. They looked uh, they looked a little nervous uh for the first few weeks and that looked like they were adjusting but they've got a pretty clear uh vision of what they want to do now and I think they feel more comfortable. And this whole thing with OVE having that consistency has been great. Um, this is really my first time, also, consistently seeing uh, OVE, not just the three man, but the tag team as well, with Jake and Dave. And um, and I just I don't know I just love the feud, love the work. I'm I'm glad it's coming to an end, so that these two teams that have now gotten over so well can now branch off and get over other teams and really rebuild this tag team division in Impact Wrestling. But super happy for my friends, and I'm glad. I'm glad they have the opportunity to, uh, to do big things in, uh, in, in the wrestling business. So super happy for them. I'm going to mention some more uh, just real quick. I did say that for most of the year, Dunn & Bait were match of the year. I mentioned Styles and Lesnar could also be nominated for that. The Usos and The New Day uh, had a great feud all year round. They had a great feud and uh, that culmination that that payoff match at hell in a cell was amazing uh, as far as tag team wrestling goes that was great i'm not gonna sit here and sleep on war games either i know it wasn't the war games that everybody thought it was going to be or thought should be but i had fun with it i thought it was a good match i would not mind seeing it again uh but my match of the year i'm sorry it goes to the velveteen dream and aleister black that match was fucking amazing. That match had me emotionally, it had me physically. The things that they did were not that complicated. It was everything that they did you can follow. You can you can go move for move and and hold for hold with them as a fan and just enjoy it. They told an amazing story. It was something that was very basic, yet they took it outside the box. The claim for respect, even down to Alistair finally saying his name at the end. Uh, it was just perfection. It was executed perfectly between two guys that are probably that before this match probably would have been genuinely overlooked. I know Alistair Black has some sort of fanfare to him right now, cool entrance and stuff, but without substance, that shit means nothing. And this matchup, I think, provided substance to both of their characters. Both. Alistair Black walked away with a little bit more uh, depth to his character. He spoke for the first time during this feud. Um, he didn't like Velveteen Dream, but he still managed to give him respect at the end. Uh, Velveteen Dream may not have minded the dislike, but now that he has the respect, we'll see where he goes from here. Uh, overall, badass match. Velveteen Dream and Al- Al- Alistair Black, for me, for my money, uh, will be the match of the year. Um, we, we've had a lot of good things, a lot of bad things. Before I leave here now, I, I also want to do a special shout-out to some performers that passed away this year um, that have been influential, in, in not only in my career, because I got a chance to meet some of these individuals, but definitely as a fan uh Dennis Stamp passed away this year that's the I'm not book Terry guy from beyond the mat but he has an actual wrestling career folks (laughs) he was actually a wrestling a wrestler and a performer um I know he gets a lot of fame from beyond the mat and that's where me and my friends get the get the biggest kick out of of, uh especially when meeting him um he loved it he loved the beyond the mat stuff and and I'm not booked and all that stuff he was a cool guy and uh, he'll be sorely missed uh the Z-Man Tom Zink Passed away this year. Tugboat, a.k.a. Typhoon of the Natural Disasters. Nicole Bass, uh, who had a brief WWE career, but you know she was mostly like a Howard Stern guest-type fame-type deal. But uh, she brought some, brought some publicity over to the WWE. Definitely uh, turned Stern's attention to, to the wrestling business for a while. Uh, Ivan Koloff, NWA Maystay back in the day. He passed away this year. Matthew Anawahi um uh formerly rosie of the wwe he was uh i told my wife yesterday i said you remember rosie and she's like no i don't remember too much about rosie i was like shit you remember shit she's like oh yeah shit i remember <laughs> superhero in training <laughs> he's a uh, the tag team partner of shane helms of the hurricane uh, i have uh, a little bit of history with the anawahi family i got a chance to work with them uh with their company the out in uh, pennsylvania wxwc 4 um with samu and 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 his sons alpha jr and uh i'm saying not his lance is his son but uh alpha jr i, I got him to work with a lot of i don't know why he's over my career um and i know for a fact that uh matthew's death kind of took them uh took a toll on them and it was a really bad one for a lot of the guys and gals of that family so uh, i want to reach out and once again, send my condolences to them on their loss. Um, George the Animal Steel passed away this year. Oh, that guy freaked me out when I was a kid. Totally fucked with my head. <laughs> totally fucked with my head. Uh, Chavo Classic, Chavo Guerrero Sr. passed away this year. One um, of the greats, another lost member of the Guerrero family. Uh, Superfly Jimmy Snook is on this list because, listen, I'm going to be straight up with you. I've never had a problem with him. I've worked with him. Um, cool guy never did anything to me i know his history is not that great i know he barely got away uh from that court case that was not leaning in his favor over the death of his girlfriend way back in i think it was 1988 or 89 or something like that so i know that he's got his share of enemies and and all that stuff but i i have him on this list because it's my list and he's never really done anything to me so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take anything out on him right now especially in death so uh lance russell passed away this year uh one of the greatest uh wrestling commentators of all time many territories obviously famous in the memphis territory but later on to do some wcw stuff as well and and, um lance russell was just a pro He was just the greatest um i i did not grow up in his era but i've seen his work since and as a commentator myself man like i wish i could be i wish i could be a quarter as good as lance russell because the guy was he was all pro and, and he was all talent he was great And uh, he will be missed. And, uh, of course, Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, one of the biggest losses that uh, the wrestling business has suffered in a long time. I know he wasn't in the best of health. I know that he was uh, struggling toward the end there after his bouts with throat cancer and and remission and all those things. And uh, the true crime in all this is one of the greatest talking managers of all time would eventually lose his ability to speak. and, uh, And that was sad very much so so he he's gone now he's passed away he's he's in a better place and now him and monsoon can call all those great dream matches up in the sky together and uh and be done with that so those are all my moments um on a personal note i had a fantastic christmas with my family i hope you guys did as well i got some really cool shit uh for christmas and i, and I bought my family some really cool shit so we're good We're just chilling right now. My son's been sick literally all fucking week, (laughs) including Christmas. We took some video where he opened his present, smiling, which you can hear him hawking shit, hawking shit up. So um, we're trying to figure that out, but uh, but yeah. So uh, I hope you guys had a great Christmas. I know I did. I'm looking forward to the new year. Get this shit started, especially with this podcast, because uh, I got some big big plans to do some big things. So let's see how all that pans the hell out. So Merry Christmas, belated Merry Christmas to you Happy New Year, Feliz Navidad, Happy Hanukkah Whatever the Do they still do Kwanzaa? I'm not even sure if That's still on the docket But Happy Holidays to everybody out there And uh, we'll begin 2018 With a bang, and I promise So I'll see you guys later Peace Peace Please Thank you Please listen to my husband's show.